It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. On today's Locked On Thunder podcast, the Oklahoma City Thunder need a new arena how is that going to happen? What should be included in said new arena? When is this going to go down? Plus, we'll talk about the roster crunch and expectations with Clemente Almanza of Thunderwire.com coming up on today's Lockdown Thunder podcast. You are Locked On Thunder, your daily Oklahoma City Thunder podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Let's get it going on the Lockdown Thunder Podcast, on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. I am your host, media member and editor-in-chief over at thunderousintentions.com, Ryland Styles. You can follow me on Twitter at Ryland underscore Styles. Follow the show on Twitter at LOThunderPod. Email the show, LOThunderPod at gmail.com. On today's show, we're going to dive into the new arena that the Thunder desperately need, how it's going to happen, when it's going to happen, where is it going to happen possibly? We don't know that yet, but... Mayor Holt did give a state of the city, which discussed all these plans for the Thunder and their new arena and what it means for the team, what it means for you, what it means for the city of Oklahoma City. Plus, we'll talk roster crunch as always and uh, expectations for this season because we have another guest, Clemente Almanza of Thunderwire.com. Clemente, how are you doing today? I'm doing pretty good, pretty good. I mean, we've been getting a ton of news recently considering what time of the year it is. So, yeah, I've been pretty busy. Yeah, considering this is supposed to be the dead time of the year, we're getting a ton of news. It'll it'll, it'll slow down, especially the next couple of weeks. Then it'll pick back up for FIBA, and then FIBA will just roll right into getting ready for training camp and media day and preseason. Then we're off and running uh, and having a great time. But I'm gonna tell you, this is a topic that you and I have talked about a lot over the last year, even in, in uh, Salt Lake City for the All-Star Weekend. We were talking about this with Joe Mazzotto and Andrew Schlecht and just kind of talking about what the arena situation is. Whenever you listen to Mayor Holt this year at the state, at the city of the state, state of the city address, comparing it to last year where he, you know, he teased it. It was kind of a soft launch of like, hey, the team needs a new arena. 
but that was pretty much the only info that we had was that they need a new arena. This year, it felt like it was a more concrete idea, a more concrete plan. What what vibe did you get listening to Mayor Holt talk about this new arena idea? I mean, like you said, I feel like um, if you follow professional sports long enough, you know that these arena situations can get pretty ugly pretty quickly. And credit to both the funder and OKC, the city. They've done a fantastic job up to this point in terms of just collaborating and figuring out that um, the next steps in terms of getting a new arena. And, you know, whole, like you mentioned today, he gave out more details about a new arena. I think like, the biggest um, nugget that he dropped in this uh, address was the fact that he doesn't expect the, uh, the uh, tax levels to increase for the new arena, which was probably like, one of the biggest talking points over the last year. Um, for those who have been against it locally, which um, is understandable. That's like a whole different discussion we can have. Um, but yeah, man, like, I don't know how you can be a Thunder fan and not be excited with just how things have gone on so far. It seems like both sides are working together and both sides realize just how important a new arena is when it comes to securing the long-term future of this franchise here. So today was a super exciting day. Still a long process to go. This probably going to be like a multi-year process. Um, and I think even Holt mentioned it, mentioned it um, during his address that they're going to have a vote uh, by the end of the year, this year in 2023, and that should solidify uh, a new arena even further. So just super exciting stuff. It's great to see that both the franchise and the city are on the same page. And it, it's great to see that uh, Holt even mentioned today that ownership is willing to pay for some of the arena, which really usually isn't the case. Um, when it comes to new arenas, not just in the NBA, but like I mentioned, professional sports in general. So it seems like OKC is probably going to um, do this. And if that's the case, then like I said, you got to pop champagne and realize how lucky uh, the city is to, to be able to secure the long-term future of a professional sports franchise. Yeah, we, we can start right there with the fact that, you know, Mayor Holt did say that the Oklahoma City Thunder for the first time when talking about stadiums and you know, this in this case, a brand new stadium, uh, have been willing to put up a significant amount of the money to, to get this new stadium done. And I, I want to highlight how big of a deal that is because it is, it sounds, you know, it sounds like, duh, it should happen because it's their arena. But the Thunder have all the leverage in this. Like the, the city and the state of Oklahoma City and Oklahoma, they need the NBA, they need the Thunder way more than the NBA needs Oklahoma City. And so that, oftentimes gives owners leverage to say, I'm not paying for any of this stadium. Like, this is going to be a, a huge burden on the taxpayers because, you know, I, can, I just simply have the leverage to do that. And so why wouldn't I take advantage of that? The fact that the Thunder are not taking advantage of that uh, it, it is a huge deal. And, and it should it should be applauded because if we're going to if we're going to go and drag all the owners uh, like in Oakland uh, you know, that, that do it the wrong way, then we have to, you know, be proud or excited or happy or just at least simply acknowledge the fact that the Thunder are willing to uh, make this so it's not a increased financial burden. It, I mean, it is somewhat of a financial burden because the max, MAPS project went up extend further than we thought, so we'll be paying that you know more than we thought in the sense of year's length. But in the sense of like rate going up, it's not going to go up, it doesn't sound like. So, and, and considering all the great things that the, that the MAPS project has done and that the Thunder have done for this community, I think that we all should be ecstatic to continue that program on, uh, at least from wherever I sit. So uh, I do think that this conversation should start with some acknowledgement of how cool it was that the Thunder didn't uh, try to make this into a 
a massive fight or, or, or get this into a, a nasty leverage play because they do have all the leverage. There are going to be a million cities who want NBA teams and would be willing to uh, pay for a stadium and fund a stadium. And the, the, the way I've put it to you and to others is just like, look, if you think that the billionaire owner should build their own stadium top to bottom 100%, I agree with you. However, if that's a hill you're willing to die on, then you're also willing to die on no longer having professional basketball in your city. It sucks, but that's the cost of being of, 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 of standing on a principle like that. And so the fact that the Thunder aren't forcing us to, to pick that side uh, to, to negotiate these sort of things with ourselves morally is pretty cool that like it's just going to be at least with the initial proposal that we've heard from Holt at this state of the city, it seems like a pretty seamless project. Like I can't even, and surprisingly I haven't seen, but I can't even fathom a, a rebuttal to this or like a negative aspect of this proposed deal. If it goes this way, once it's actually officially uh, proposed. No, yeah. Like I said, I mean, Holt mentioned it several times during his address that there are plenty of other cities around the country who don't have an NBA team who have better arenas than OKC and I think he did that on purpose just to drive home the point like hey we should be we should be grateful well not grateful but we should be able to recognize just how special it is to hold a professional sports team and especially in Oklahoma's case where they historically have never had a team before the Thunder arrived um, it just goes to show that they shouldn't really take for granted the funder and that if a new arena is required to, to keep the team here for the long term for future generations, then, I mean, you just got to do it. Like you said, like, if you want to complain that, you know, like you mentioned, billionaires, billionaire ownership should be paying for a full arena themselves. I mean, you have the right to do so, but um, fact of the matter is that it's either you pay for a new arena or they go to a different city and another city will gladly pay for, for a new home for them. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, like I said, this is it feels like everything's going smoothly so far. So, you know, hopefully that continues to be the case. And, you know, hopefully um, this doesn't reach a point where, you know, like, like I mentioned earlier, a lot of times these situations get ugly very fast. So hopefully I just it just continues to go smoothly as it has so far. Yeah, it's gone extremely smooth. And you can argue the Thunder don't even play in the best arena in Oklahoma. You can argue that the BOK Center is actually a better arena than than uh paycom uh but look and, and you know we don't need to get into the argument right now i love the paycom center I've been going to games there of course forever since there's the ford center and everything else but um at the end of the day it is time for a new arena in oklahoma city uh and, and i just wanted to start by highlighting how cool it was that that the thunder ownership group is willing to make this as as seamless as possible like they're conceding a lot of their leverage and most of the time Whenever these are billion-dollar deals, you don't concede any leverage. So the fact that they're willing to concede some of their leverage is pretty cool, especially with how good that it's worked out. How how good it's worked out having the Thunder here. You cannot that you cannot argue against this. Has been a good thing for Oklahoma City to have the Thunder here for as long as they've been here. Also, you can't argue against Maps Project. I think that that's been fantastic for Oklahoma City as well. So extending the life shelf of the, those two projects seems like a pretty significant win-win uh, for Oklahoma City. And for Oklahomans in general, um, around the state, and of course in Oklahoma City specifically as well. Now, I want to touch on speaking of Salt Lake City, something that you harped on for about three days uh, in Salt Lake City whenever we were there coming up, and we'll get to that and what this new arena could look like uh, after this. But first, I want to say right now, a bunch of good friends over at FanDuel, folks. FanDuel's awesome. FanDuel is where you should go because who doesn't? 
like betting on sports responsibly. You can take your first swings at betting on the MLB on FanDuel. You can get 10 times your first bet amount in bonus bets up to $200. So that's right. If you just go right now and bet 20 bucks, you'll land $200 in bonus bets, win or lose, just right there for you at FanDuel. That's 200 bucks you can spend betting on everything from money line to over-unders, to the point spread, uh, and who you think will win or even hit the first home run. So it makes betting fun and easy. So go right now to the app. It's safe, secure, super easy to use, and you get paid instantly. There's no better place to bet on MLB than FanDuel. Go to FanDuel. It's America's number one sports book. It's the official sports book of Locked On and Major League Baseball. So sign up today by going to FanDuel.com. Whenever you go there, go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. You get that $200 at FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. Mente's a huge baseball fan, so go bet on his Texas Rangers to win tonight against a team that they're going to play in baseball tonight. Dodgers. The Dodgers. What a fun yeah. game that's going to be. <laughs> go bet on it at Fender.com slash Lockdown. This is Jake from Locked On. Locked On has teamed up with State Farm to spotlight some of the greatest supporting players in NBA history. After beating the Heat led by LeBron James and Dwayne Wade in 2011, Dirk Nowitzki won an NBA title and proved himself to be one of the greatest basketball players of all time. But there was one player in the starting lineup for the last three games of the finals that helped support Dirk all the way to a championship, J.J. Barea. Led by J.J. and Jason Terry, the Mavs' second unit proved to be the strength throughout the playoffs, where they led the NBA in bench scoring. But for games 4, 5, and 6 in the NBA Finals, Mavs coach Rick Carlisle inserted Berea into the starting five to help the Mavs space the floor and put more playmaking around Dirk. J.J. Berea had a knack for running the pick-and-roll with Dirk that helped the Mavs score more efficiently on their run to a title. Dirk Nowitzki couldn't score the way he did if he didn't have much-needed support from someone like J.J. Berea. Sometimes, you and I need that kind of support, too. Think of State Farm like a pivotal team player. When you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember the jingle and just say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. We're back on the Lockdown Thunder Podcast, on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you so much for making us your first listen every single morning, every single day. We're here for you talking Thunder basketball. In this case, we're talking arenas. And Clemente, you and I went out to Salt Lake City for the All-Star Weekend, and it was a lot of fun, but... One thing that you have never let me forget since that that trip was, oh my gosh, like this this arena could hold three paycoms in it, and you were gushing and glowing about Vivint Arena, which has now been changed to something else, title sponsor wise, but nonetheless, the arena in Salt Lake City. What were your biggest takeaways from from going and covering a game and an event in another arena compared to paycom? I mean, I think, I mean, Hulk kind of talked about this as well today, like. Um, even if you look past the, the statistics when it comes to, like, just how Paycom ranks near the bottom of the league, if you just simply go to one of the other 28 NBA arenas and just go to a game there, like, the, the difference is, is is very obvious. And with, with Utah's arena, that was really my first time we've been to a different arena outside of uh, Paycom. And just while they both have similar capacity um, rates, I think Paycom's at 18,000 and uh, Utah's arena at 20,000, the concourse is just on a whole different level, like, the amount, just the amount of spaces out there, the amount of floors that are at the arena is just completely on a different level compared to Paycom. Like, um, th- that's really what you're hoping for for this new arena that OKC hopefully eventually gets is that while, you know, the capacity rates are probably going to be at a similar a similar number, you just hope that it's just bigger when it comes to, like, the actual size of the arena. So, um, yeah, I just couldn't believe just how huge the concourse was at Utah, and I'm assuming that's the case for most of these other arenas, especially the newer ones. 
Yeah, the, the size of the Utah's Jazz Arena was incredible. I mean, like you said, it's kind of the same seating wise, but I'll tell you, being in the upper deck where we were where, where we were at for media seating, because you know the all stream was kind of different. It was a lot further away from the court than it is in Loud City at 301 or whatever it is. So like it, it might be the same, you know, or close to the same seating wise, but it's just so much bigger. Um, the scoreboard th- jumps out to me as what the Thunder need to add. However, they're already doing that. Like they already have a new scoreboard coming in this year. So that'll of course carry over to the new arena. Like, so like that's one big thing that they can improve just without even thinking. Is there any other amenities you would like to see added to whatever we're going to, I guess we're still going to call it Paycom center, just Paycom center new, uh, anything within the new arena that you want to see added? Uh, it's probably a bit trivial, but maybe some more food options. I like that's another thing I know is that Salt Lake arena just had a lot more food options compared to Paycom. Um, and like fast food options specifically, I think the, uh, yeah, I think there's like a Chick-fil-A in, in Utah's arena. And I've been to Paycom center several times now. And like, the food options there are just it's not very diverse and like just not a ton to like really choose from. So maybe that's something hopefully, you know, this new potential arena could improve upon. Um, but I mean, yeah, that, that's the first thing that came to mind was just the food and you know how big of a food guy I am. right? <laughs> yeah, for sure. I mean, uh, that's obvious. I think that the new arena, of course, we're going to get the new scoreboard this year, like in, in the Paycom original here. Uh, but you know, the, the scoreboard is going to be better. The sight lines are going to be so much better because you know, the Paycom Center was built for trying to lure away a hockey team. You know the story by now. So that's why the sight lines in some spots are kind of funky. Uh, it'll be flushed out, kind of built differently, I think, especially like underneath Paycom Center where like the media rooms at and the locker rooms and everything else are at, are, are going to be better and, and bigger. And they actually just redid the media room this year. And it's, it is pretty cool. But obviously, when you get a new arena, everything's going to get upgraded. So that's pretty fun. Uh, but yeah, ultimately, um, I, I think just the... The, the space in the concourse, the amenities in the concourse, uh, the, the, the space kind of real estate in terms of around the court and um, sight line wise, like all that is going to improve. I think that one of the bigger things is I believe that, and I think that Mayor Holtz talked about this before. I believe that, you know, they're going to have something that you see in Toronto and Milwaukee and these other places like, like Jurassic park in Toronto, whenever you know, people were mobbing the streets to be outside the arena and watch games and have game, you know, and have, you know, party games or whatever outside, uh, kind of making that a, a spot to be, or like uh, with the new Rangers ballpark, they have the uh, Texas live or whatever it's called. Like, I think they're going to also incorporate some of the outside stuff as part of this new arena, I would imagine. So I think that that would be, extremely cool like do you, like do you remember whenever the thunder had thunder alley like i think they're gonna do that only like bigger and better with this new arena yeah not only just grow your fan base for sure uh having those extra activities where people can just do stuff outside of just simply watching the game um yeah hopefully you know that's the case for the thunder as well with this new arena where they bring back uh those that activity i think thunder alley was the one you mentioned about how um they would just have fans out at the arena and just talking to each other, socializing. So, you know, hopefully they can bring that back with this new arena. Um, but yeah, just super exciting things. And I just can't wait to see how this kind of plays out when, once we know more details for sure. Yeah, It's going to be very fun to like kind of see this put together. I, I think that one thing's for certain, you can trust the organization and the city government to make sure this is done right. Like this is going to be a really awesome kind of like, experience and environment and place to be uh, when it comes to Thunder basketball, which is, which is going to be very fun. And uh, again, I don't know how you can walk away from this initial deal 
with anything other than excitement about this potential new arena and, and locking the thunder in here long-term. And even if you don't like basketball, like this is going to help you draw bigger acts, bigger concerts, bigger, just stuff in your city uh, to do just things to do like bigger, bigger concerts, bigger comedy shows, bigger, everything that you do in an arena, monster trucks, whatever else you can do in an arena, you're going to get bigger, bigger and better stuff in the arena uh, here. I'd be interested to see the location of this thing and renderings, renderings of these things. I imagine we're going to get those closer and closer toward the end of the year um, as the vote comes up. But initially I'm just pumped. I'm just pumped about this. Uh, and, and like you mentioned, I think that one other amenity they can add is making it so there's more to do than just watch basketball. And that might sound counterintuitive to you because if you're listening to this podcast on July 20th, you are a basketball head like us. And so you just want to watch basketball. But ultimately, this is also kind of a family socializing environment. And so one thing that stood out in Utah was, you know, they, they had a ton of uh, team shops. They had a ton of mini games for kids to play, like Papa Shot and things like that, uh, things to do uh, for the kids to besides just watch the game. Uh, so I think that that could help too. Uh, but obviously, it's not like a huge deal, but I think that you might as well incorporate some of that if you're going to take the time to build a billion dollar arena uh, certainly don't skip out on that but any other bows you want to put on uh, this new arena talking point i just think this is the benefit of having local ownership i mean clay bennett's from i believe okc if not just oklahoma in general george kaiser's from tulsa i mean these are just, these are just the benefits of having local ownership who wants to stay uh, here i mean that's how you know the funder ended up getting the uh, the franchise to begin with was that Clay Bennett was a local Oklahoma um, billionaire. He bought the team from Seattle and he eventually brought it, brought it back to where he grew up. So the fact that you have local ownership who are willing to uh, want to stay here to the point where they're willing to invest their mo- own money in it. I mean, this is just very, um, this is just a very unprecedented when it comes to just how these arena situations usually play out. And, you know, like you just mentioned, like, I think at the very least you got to recognize that. Yeah, I think that this is going to be a, a great draw for OKC, a great situation, and hopefully it goes as smooth as this initial plan. Now, it's easy to dress it up and make it look really good at the state of a city. We have to acknowledge that too. But as long as what the state of the city says, you know, what Mayor Holt says in this address, as long as that is what's translated to what's going to be voted on, uh, I would I would presume in November of 2023. Uh, that's when I think the elections would have to take place. But nonetheless, whenever these elections take place, as long as that plan is translated on paper at that time, this is a fantastic thing uh, for Oklahoma City and the fan base. Now, let's talk about this Thunder team. We'll talk roster crunch. We'll talk expectations coming up. No matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax experts make them count. Did you say no to a big wedding and elope at the county courthouse? That's a move. Did you go back to school to get your degree? That's a move. Did you relocate for a fresh start? Well, that's literally a move. Maybe you moved into a houseboat instead of a house house or switched gears from rideshare driving to video game streaming. Or you rode the stock market to the moon and back. TurboTax experts make all your moves count, getting you every credit and deduction you deserve. They'll file with 100% accuracy and get you your max refund guaranteed. So switch to TurboTax. Make your moves They'll make them count. See guarantee details at TurboTax.com slash guarantees. Experts only available with TurboTax Live. We're back on the Lockdown Thunder Podcast, on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you so much for making us your first listen 
every single morning, every single day. We're here for you, talking Thunder basketball. Joining me today is Clemente Almanza of Thunderwire.com. Clemente, let's start with the roster crunch. The Thunder waved Rudy Gay, but of course now they announced the signing of Jack White officially, so they didn't really do much for them, of course. Now, the first thing I want to talk about with this roster crunch is this stupid idea that like teams are ready to pounce. They're just, they're sitting there on the prowl. They're just waiting to pounce. Uh, guess what? 99% of the players that the Thunder are going to cut in October have been traded for free twice. The Thunder have been paid to receive them, and other teams have paid to get off of them twice in the span of the last two weeks. What more could you have done besides pounce at that chance if you're a team that extremely valued Rudy Gay or Ty Ty Washington or Usman Garuba or whoever? And if they cut Jeremiah Robertson Earl, they're cutting a guy they took in the second round. If they cut Trey Mann, they're cutting a guy that they took in the first round, took a shot on him, and it didn't work out, and hopefully it does work out at the next place. But that doesn't mean anything. That's actually the beauty of having all these picks. The fact that, guess what? We can miss on a couple guys, and it doesn't really matter because we have a billion picks in the future. We've already drafted their replacement, picked up their replacement, and whatever. And also, if by some reason one of these guys does take a massive leap at the next destination, that's life. That's the NBA. That's Isaiah Joe. That is that the reason why Philadelphia you know, fell short this year? You know, uh, you know, maybe, who knows? But like Philadelphia made this exact same mistake with Ty, Ty, with uh, Isaiah Joe. This stuff happens. And bottom line is, we don't even know if it's going to happen. Like, we don't even know if any of these guys at the Thundercut are going to be good at all uh, at their next stop. So to me, the roster crunch and the ready to pounce thing isn't a story. There's a, you know, I, I would put it to you like this if everyone the Thundercut were free agents today, just willing free agents, don't know why they're free agents, they're in the free agency pool. Nobody's beating down their door. So I don't see how they're going to pounce. Yeah, I mean, like you mentioned, I mean, I think what is like 20 guys on the roster right now. Um, and like really just look down for the roster. I think there's already five guys on here that you can pretty much easily move on from, depending just how much money ownership is willing to burn with um, all the Depot Bertans, um, Jack White, Titan Garuba. Um, but like, yeah, like you mentioned, like uh, if the funder end up miss, if the funder end up having to get rid of one of their younger guys who they drafted over the last couple of years, um, like you mentioned, Trey Mann or JRE, and they end up working out somewhere else, then, like you said, oh well, that just comes to the territory of being in the NBA. What what, what really what really matters uh, when you boil down to it is just how guys like Shea, Jada, Chet, Giddy. Um, end up doing and how they turn out because those guys are the ones that really shift the tides of your franchise. Um, the rest of the roster, um, when you boil it down to it, it's pretty uh, replaceable. Um, but yeah, like you mentioned, it, it just feels like um, we're just in the middle of the slowest part of the NBA calendar and we just need something to talk about. And this whole roster crunch, quote unquote, roster crunch is like, the easiest topic to talk about. Um, but at the end of the day, like if the fun have to move on for someone like, I don't know, Aaron Wiggins, I, I don't think it will really change the fortunes of the franchise that dramatically. Don't you dare threaten to cut Aaron, Aaron Wiggins. But um, uh, the bottom line is the Thunder might cut Trey Mann. They might cut Jeremiah Armstrong. They might cut 
Victor Oladipo. They might cut Jack White. They might cut Tate Washington. They might cut Usman Garuba. You know, whatever. If they cut Trey Mann, like the, the the thing is, the only ones that even matter in the sense of like, oh, this is why you can't have so many first round picks, is if they cut Trey Mann or if they cut Jeremiah Robinson Earl, and really just Trey Mann. If they cut Trey Mann, it's not as though they're just going to leave the roster spot open. They've done that in the past, but I don't see them doing that this year. That would mean that they'd rather have Ty Ty Washington, who is another first rounder. Like that mean that they'd rather have you know someone else uh, you know, that they've acquired this offseason. Uh, you know they're not going to overcut somebody. So then at that point, you've acquired in your eyes better talent. And I'm going to trust Sam Presti's vision of like who's a better talent, Trey Man or Ty Ty Washington or whatever. And if you don't cut Trey Man and you only cut you know Oladipo, White, Washington, Gruba, and Jeremiah Robinson Earl. You've lost literally nothing of what you've invested in. Like you've gotten those second round picks back tenfold. You you you've cut one second round pick that you've actually drafted, and you've acquired what three, four, five this offseason alone. Like it doesn't matter. It just does not matter at all. And it's like you said, it's just something to talk about and something to have a take about. And it's just not reality. And, and, and I said it this morning too. You can't say that the Thunder are going to have this core that squeezes out good talent because there's just too many good players and not enough roster spots. And that's the shame of having first round picks, but then also say they're going to lose half this core because they can't pay them all. It can't be both of those things because you're going to need these first round picks to replace the guys that you can't pay and vice versa. So like, it doesn't matter. Like this is just stupid. The, the best analogy is it's just money. Draft picks are just money. And I don't know a single soul on the face of the earth who's turned down even a single dollar, any sort of money in their bank account. No one's given any back. So it's just stupid. It just really is, frankly. Yeah, I mean, um, like you said, like I think I don't think people just don't don't realize or understand just how much turnover these rosters have. I mean, just look at the funded roster from two, three years ago. Like most of the guys that were on those team on that team are gone. I mean, the only players left from just the 2020 season during the uh, during the Chris Paul year or what, Shea and Dort, uh, which means that everybody else, all um, 13 players plus the two two-way players are all gone. So, I mean, that's just professional sports in general. You have high turnovers and rosters, and the funder are no exception to that. I wouldn't be surprised if a calendar year from now, there, there could be like at least a ton of these guys gone. I mean, that's just, that's just how the league works. At, at the end of the day, like I mentioned, like, the only guys, the only guys that really matter are, are the cream of the crop in terms of OKC sport with Shea, Chet, Gideon, Jada, um, everybody else you can just plug in, and I don't really think it, it'll move the needle that much. So, um, yeah, like you mentioned, um, it's a roster crunch. Um, if we're talking literally, but like, I don't, I don't really think we should be stressing that too much over it. And I hate to pick on Isaiah Roby, but like Keith Smith, this has been his big thing. And I like Keith Smith. I've had Keith Smith on the show before, but this has been his big thing for like three years now. I'm like, oh, the Thunder have too many picks and they're going to not have enough roster spots. And he just harps on that and harps on that on his show, Front Office Show, which is a really good show. Uh, and on his Twitter account, which I you know follow and I love his Twitter account. I have him on the show, everything. But at the end of the day, it's just a misunderstanding of like what's happening. Whenever Isaiah Roby was cut, Keith Smith tweeted out like, oh, the Thunder got rid of a really good player. Somebody's going to get really lucky on the waiver wire. The Spurs, one of the best organizations in the NBA, picked him up off the waivers, and he has not done anything, and he's with a new team now. He's not with any team now, actually. He's playing summer league with the, with the uh, with uh, New York. So it's not like it's not a guarantee that any of these guys hit, just like it wasn't a guarantee that Isaiah Joe hit. It just so happened for Philadelphia's sake, sadly for them, that he did hit. 
And uh, Jeremiah Robinson Earl might not hit. I think he can. I think that he'll be a good rotational piece in the NBA. But that's not some grand indictment on the Thunder rebuild and what the Thunder have done and, and the Thunder having too many picks. Like, it's just not. Uh, would you rather be the Thunder right now who have too many picks or Dallas who's trapped for picks and is just looking for any way to accue any sort of assets to build around their stars? I, I would much rather be the Thunder. Like, and, and like that's the problem. Anytime that someone criticizes the Thunder, they're so heavy-handed with it, but then you always have to admit, well, I'd rather be in their tough shoes than Dallas's tough shoes. Uh, these are much better shoes to break in than, than, than the other alternative. So, like you mentioned, roster crunch doesn't matter in the sense of like, who's your six guys to cut? I don't really care, honestly. No offense to you. So, because I don't think they're going to matter that much. I think that they're going to play that much. And I'm sure that you're going to write a roster preview some at some point, and I'll read it then. I want to know from you, what's your expectation level for this team? What, 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 what in your mind will this team achieve? Uh, I mean, it's hard not to be hyped after what happened last season. Um, but if you, if I, if I had to make a prediction right now, I think they'll probably finish around top 60 for sure, 45 ish wins. I, I think, I think that's probably more um, along the lines of being realistic. Um, you, you can push for more than that, but like at the end of the day, like, um, with Chad coming back, he, he's definitely going to help solve a lot of the defensive issues in terms of rim protection and, and protecting the paint. And even if Shea does regress back a little bit to the season he had last year, um, we also got to take into account the natural progression and improvement of guys on the roster, like Jada and Giddy um, and, and everybody else on the roster as well. Um, so I think 45 wins is a pretty solid area, area for you to predict in terms of how many wins they'll get. But, um, yeah, I think at the bare minimum, they'll, they'll be back in the plan next year. And if that's the case, then um, I think you got to be excited because they just, depending on how um, the progress of certain guys go. So, yeah, I'll probably go like around 45 wins. Yeah, I like the prediction a lot. I, I, I tend to agree that they're going to be in the playoffs because, you know, and I don't think that it'll be some like miraculous, like 55 win season. I agree with you. I think that there's just a few combinations of like why I don't see them being in the, in the play in tournament. Number one, I think that the team is just going to internally get better. Duh. Like they're so young, they're going to get, they're going to improve. Number two, I, I think they've made some really good moves this offseason to supplement that roster, that young roster, which is good. But number three, and in my opinion, most importantly, the Thunder are going to care. And I just don't think that other teams in the West like are going to care. Like other teams in the West are going to just want to get into the dance period. Like especially, I think, after what Miami did, these veteran teams are going to be even more relaxed of like, just get us to the tournament. Just get us to the tournament either by via the play-in or via the actual top six seeds. Get us there. We'll figure it out. We're good. Like, we are extremely a good team. We're a veteran team. They're not going to try to win every single night. Uh, and so I, I think that that's where the Thunder can can make their bones a little bit because I think that they will care every single night. I think that the Thunder will care about this in-season tournament more than almost any team in the NBA. Like, so I think that those, those are some areas where the Thunder, I think, are going to be ahead of the game uh, because they're so young, because they don't, they don't, quote unquote, know any better. Like they're not going to take these games off. They, they, they love, as you know, to, to win and to um, be in the spotlight and, and, and kind of the grind of the full season and being together. And that's not something that you can say for the majority of Western conference teams right now. There's a lot of Western conference teams who have extreme talent, but also extreme adversity and barring injury. You just don't see that on adversity or, you know, you know, or, or that lack of caring about the regular season with, with Oklahoma city. So top to bottom head coach to, to, to the team, this team cares and has 
about as little adversity as possible, uh, honestly, right now on this roster. Like even Memphis, even like all these teams have some sort of adversity that they're going to have to battle through. And the Thunder just don't right now, barring some horrific injury that we saw in August last year. So I agree with you. I think this will be a team that avoids the play-in. And when we say that, it's not like some homer, like, oh, they're going to win 60 games. But like, they're just going to, they're at least going to do enough, I think, to get to the playoffs. No, yeah, for sure. I mean, um, just, I mean, just look at the roster. I mean, J-Dub's entering his second season, and we've already seen him gain. We've already seen him look a lot bigger than he did last season. Uh, Jay, Josh Giddy's entering his first season, and, like, a lot of the time, that's really the season where guys really break out. Um, Chet's going to be Chet and healthy. Um, and then Usman Jane is another guy we haven't really talked about either who looked really good in the summer league as well. Um, so – all of those guys combined with Shea really entering his prime is age 25 season. I mean, I don't know how you can't peg this team into being like at least a 40, 45 win club. I'm excited for it, Clemente. Thank you for your time. Tell them where they can find you at. Yeah, you can just find me on Twitter at CLMonza1007. Um, you can find all my work at uh, OKCFunderWire.com. So um, I mean, I'll, in terms of the next couple of weeks, not whole, not whole lot of news to really cover but i will be uh releasing the uh, annual fan survey so uh, a little breaking news on your pod here Ryland. so keep an eye out for that i am honored go fill out clemente's annual fan survey at siamanza 1007 me and clemente have big things coming this season wink wink nudge nudge and tomorrow on this podcast you're gonna get my roster projections i didn't i didn't force on you know clemente Monze to uh put together his roster cuts and be in the Sam Presley chair. I'm not a bad guy like that. I'm going to be the sicko to do it tomorrow. So tune in for that until then Clemente, thank you for your time and be good. Be good to one another. Wilson, you sent the game winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4:55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point and it works everywhere. I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. 